With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome, everyone. This is View from the Rafters. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome in one of the pillars of this organization. Everybody forgets that part. Okay. Oh, good one. Don't go there. Not yet. What will we talk about in our podcast? You haven't told him? Like he had just come off the battlefield. I know what a dream it is to work with him. Half our listeners probably don't even know what that is. Always going to bleed green, baby. Welcome to View from the Rafters. Behind the scenes with the Boston Celtics, presented by Cardless. Here's your host, Abby Chin, with special guest host, Amanda Flugrad. Welcome in to View from the Rafters, behind the scenes with the Boston Celtics, and we are making history today. We have the first all-female podcast as we are celebrating Women's History Month and International Women's Day on March 8th. I am joined by Celtics.com incredible reporter, Amanda Flugrad. And Amanda, we called in the big guns for this one to have a really meaningful conversation about not only just women in sports, but really the life of this game, what it's like to be a part of it as a woman, and also to kind of look back on how far women have come as well. Yes. I mean, just powerful conversations, Abby, and women that are just trailblazers in their field, their journey of what they've been through to get to where they are today. And having a seat at the table, it's just so inspiring. And also hearing some of the advice that they have, too, for for women wanting to get into the field and, and the, the road that they took to get there. I, I just think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I love it that we're making history, too, with an all-female podcast as well. It really is an empowering conversation, and not just for women, but I think anyone who has dealt with any sort of adversity or challenges in your professional life, to hear how these incredible women deal with that on a daily basis and have overcome those sort of things to get to where they are. So without further ado, please enjoy the first ever women's all-female podcast here on View from the Rafters, behind the scenes with the Boston Celtics. 
Amanda and I are so honored to be joined now by three legends of the game, but also trailblazers, not only in women's sports, but in the world of sports. I'm going to do quick intros for everybody, and then we're going to ask you to give us your journey and kind of summarize it, although all of you have had such incredible journeys that I know it will be hard to summarize, but we want to hear from you and then we will dive into the conversation. Uh, so first, let me introduce Val Ackerman, the current Big East Commissioner. Of course, you were the first president of the WNBA and president of USA Basketball and a four-year starter at the University of Virginia. Um, also joined by Ashley Battle, now currently in her first year as a scout for the Boston Celtics, but obviously a three-time national champ with the Yukon Huskies and Defensive Player of the Year in 2003. And finally, a legend of the Northeast, Jennifer Rosati, president of the Connecticut Sun, longtime uh, women's basketball coach at the collegiate level, and uh, of course, a national champion and player of the year in 1996. So ladies, we're just so honored to have you here. Val, I would like to start with you. Can you kind of tell us the path that you took to get to where you are now? Uh, thanks, Abby. Great being with uh, you and Amanda, of course, Ashley and Jen. Um, so I, you know, my path is not unlike theirs. Um, I was an athlete growing up and played basketball in college in the early years of Title IX. Um, I was able to go on a basketball scholarship to uh to university to the University of Virginia and Frank, I don't know if Ashley and Jen know this. I just missed Coach Dor Coach Oriema. He um, arrived in Charlottesville the fall after I graduated in May um, in 1981. So we missed each other, but um, um, of course, you know, it's great to have that tie with such a such a great leader in the women's game. Um, I uh, I'm a lawyer. I, I went to law school after playing a year overseas following my days at UVA. Um, and then practiced on Wall Street for a couple of years before I wound up at the NBA um, in uh, the late 80s as a staff lawyer. And I spent 16 years at the company, um, the first eight on the men's side. And then uh, when the WNBA started in um, 1997, uh, I was the first president. So um, have, uh, you know, have a lot of pride in how far the league has come in the last 25 years and um, how, you know, how far women's basketball generally has progressed since my playing days at UVA. Um, as you noted, I'm now the commissioner of the Big East. Uh, I've been in this job now for nine years. Uh, feels like, what is dog years? One times seven. So nine times seven is 63. Okay. No, but it's been a great, great ride being back in college basketball. And I, I you know, I, I have, you know, have to say having UConn um, returning to the Big East after a break um, of course, charter member when the league was formed in 79 and now back with us. And it's just been amazing, uh, everything that they've brought back to, uh, to the conference over the last couple of years since they uh, rejoined has been, has been wonderful. So um, it's been a fun ride. And again, great to be with uh, such an amazing group of women today. Thank you. Ashley. Wow, that was so great. Um, I didn't know that you missed, you know, coach by by year that would have been awesome if all three of us were coached by him that'd been really random but yet yeah, very cool uh thank you for having me um this is great i'm so happy to be here with this esteemed group of ladies uh my journey is you know quite similar to val's and jen's uh i played 
grew up in Pittsburgh, played at UConn. Uh, we did fairly well there, to say the least. Um, and I was drafted to the WNBA um, in 2005. Didn't know if I was going to get drafted or not. Wasn't sure if I was going to play. I uh, had a job waiting for me at Nike, and I was like, all right, you know, if I get drafted, that's great. If not, you know, it's okay. That was a good ride. Uh, and so, but I did get drafted to Seattle and was able to have a, a pretty long career. And, you know, like most women or athletes in general, my career ended on an injury uh, to my hip and my ankle. And I was, had like this love-hate relationship with basketball at the time at, when that was happening because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was mad because I couldn't play. So I had all these, you know, different things that was happening uh, in my life. And, you know, so I, I went into banking, you know, because I didn't want to have anything to do with sports. I got into banking. Um, I ended up helping build a sports and entertainment division at a financial planning firm, which really got me back into sports. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I love, I love sports in general. I love basketball. And I ended up going uh, and working at the league office at the NBA, where I worked with the WNBA and a lot of different departments within the league. Uh, from there, I ended up circling back 20 years later and working at Nike in Jordan. And now I'm currently a scout with, with the Celtics. And Jen, last but not right. least. <laughs> well, I don't know if my my uh, journey is quite as uh, random maybe as Ashley's. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I haven't left basketball. I started in it and, and haven't left. And uh, I grew up in Connecticut. So fortunately at a time where you know, UConn women's basketball was on the rise and certainly made a great decision to attend the university and play for Gino and uh, be a part of the first ever national championship at the University of Connecticut. So excited to have been able to kind of pave the way for what that program has become. But, you know, I also, I mean, Val probably going to talk about her journey the whole entire podcast because, you know, she's the reason so many of us are even here. Like she's the reason that so many of us have the opportunity to to play after college and be a professional basketball player in the United States. And, you know, we're, we're super grateful for all the women that live through title nine. And we're, as we're about to celebrate its 50th anniversary coming up um, this summer, it's just unbelievable to see where the sport has come. Um, you know, so I had a chance to play for the American basketball league for a few years um, in Hartford. They had a franchise in Hartford before it folded and then was drafted into the WNBA. Um, and during that time, I was also offered the head coaching job at the University of Hartford. So I simultaneously played basketball in the WNBA in the summer and coached college basketball um, the rest of the year for five years. Um, and then I got to the point where my second team in the WNBA was, you know, was ready to fold in, in the Cleveland Rockers. Unfortunately, I was creeping up on 30 and, um, you know, I had a great, obviously, second career in coaching and I wanted to start a family. Um, so, you know, it's a tough, tough decision to make for a lot of women that play professional basketball is, you know, trying to make sure you, you have that time to, to have a family when, when possible. So, um, I was fortunate to be able to continue my coaching career and where, where I did that at the university of Hartford and George Washington for 22 years, um, before pivoting last year to take the job at the Connecticut sun. So. Um, didn't really expect that. Um, it was just an opportunity that came up as one door closed for me. Um, but it just has been a really natural fit, you know, just a, an opportunity for me to return back to the W 
um, especially after the last few years and um, the growth that we've seen, the momentum that the league has has right now, the um, you know the platform that the players um, have elevated. Um, just a chance for me to come home to Connecticut, be a part of the league, um, and think about what you know the position that I'm in to help amplify the voices of these wonderful women in the league, um, to elevate the experience of the players in, in Connecticut, um, and, and try and help bring the first WNBA championship to our franchise. So um, just kind of everything aligned for me to be able to come home and take this job. And it's, it's been a thrill. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, Jen, to follow up on that, I mean, you said elevating the players and, and we're seeing that more and more in the WNBA. I worked for the Aces doing sideline reporting. Asia Wilson was one that was just out in the community. And for all of you, how have you seen the steps that the WNBA has taken in terms of the players just being able to be out there more, have more of a voice and more of a platform too? Well, you know, I think a couple of things, obviously the season in the bubble is as hard as it was and as challenging as it was, it did give them an opportunity physically to all be together and, and make decisions as a group on issues that were really important to them. Obviously it was a, a difficult time in our country and social justice became, you know, to the, came to the forefront. And um, I'm so proud that they took actionable items. Um, you know, so many people just try and say the words or wear a t-shirt. Um, the women of WNBA actually made change. You know, they, they impacted change in our country and it was just really impressive to watch. And I also think um, coupled with that is the support that they get, not only from their individual franchises to utilize their voices, but from the league leadership. You know, we, we are a league, a player led league and you know, the, the leadership in the WNBA has allowed them to use their voices for the common good. There's, you know, nobody getting sanctioned for, kneeling for the anthem or nobody getting asked to to keep their opinions to themselves um they've been applauded and encouraged to use their voices and so i just thought from my position leadership position at the connecticut sun i can continue to make sure that that is a regular thing in the WNBA, and at least for my players to make sure i'm also having their back and 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 putting programs in place where they can continue to use those actionable items to make change in our community and in our country. Ashley, as a former player, how much pride did you take in watching all of that kind of unfold? And, and just the leadership role that the WNBA took, not only, I mean, within the world of basketball, but I feel like nationally and, and really becoming the face of that cause and that moment. I think, you know, it's something to say because the WNBA and the players that are playing have led the charge when it's socially this entire time, you know, whenever it was, you know, Floyd or George, I mean, whatever happened, the WNBA players have been leading and have been in the forefront and other teams and other players have picked up on what the W players have done. So I think I've been incredibly supportive and also just proud to be a part of a generation and watching the younger generation just really flourish in that in that area. I mean, when we were growing up and I mean, social media was just becoming a thing. Twitter had just come out when I was playing in the WNBA and Instagram wasn't even a thing. Snapchat wasn't even a thing. So they have the following and the and the social that they're also, you know, socially encouraged to do things, but they also have, you know, the following to get to have their voice be heard by the masses on 
so many different platforms and so many different levels that they're able to really speak their mind and, and encourage change. You know, I mean, they literally got a mayor hired or, you know, elected. Yeah. So like th these are things that they've been able to do around the country and to invoke change and invoke to people to think about more than what's just around their little bubble. Val, for you, I think a bigger picture, can you imagine, could you have imagined, I mean, like you said, you were part of that first generation of Title IX. How far have you seen women's sports come over that time? And, and, and how much more do we have to go? You know, Abby, when I, when I think about um, like the connection between women in sports and um, and sort of how it's unfolded, I, you know, maybe I'll share my quick list here. You know, I think of four buckets. The first is participation. And that was the immediate contribution of Title IX was that it opened the doors for girls and women, high school and college, to play sports in ways that had never been available to them before and, and, and mandated through the force of federal law, the resources to make that possible. So we all know, I mean, there's great data here, how many more girls and women play sports because of this law in large measures. That's one. Number two, I think often about women as fans. Um, and in fact, when we launched the WNBA, that was a thesis that we would be able to attract to the league as fans, more women than were coming out to NBA games. And that proved correct in spades. I mean, we, um, you know, we were seeing when I was there, you know, 75, 80% of the building were, were women of all ages. Um, and that was, you know, expected. Um, we thought we'd have more NBA fans in the buildings in the summer than we had, but, and we didn't, that didn't really, you know, play out, but we had so many women and that was, that was good. And, and we know now women are supporting men's sports in growing ways, like the Celtics, sure. Some portion of the Celtics fan base is female, and so that's forcing sports organizations of all kinds to say, okay, how do we make sure that our women, our female fan base is sort of good and growing? So you have that. Then you have the elite leagues, which are a direct byproduct of Title IX. So whether it's the WNBA, the NWSL, trying to make it in soccer, uh, we're seeing at the collegiate level um, sports um, that weren't as much on the radar screen 50 years ago, like volleyball, um, softball's grown. Lacrosse. I mean, girls weren't playing lacrosse when I was coming up. Um, and, you know, the Olympic sports, the number of women participating at the Olympic level is, you know, is nearly 50%, which is the way it should be. So you have those buckets. And then last but not least, and that's all good. The, the last one is the leadership one. This is the one where we talk about how many women are like leading sports organizations and not just women's sports organizations, but men's sports organizations as well. And that's where the numbers, we have a ways to go here. I mean, I'm one of, I think, nine D1 female commissioners, which is good. Um, but, you know, we're not seeing enough women. It's better than it used to be, right. But, you know, in order to get those numbers up, whether it's at the pro leagues, the networks, the big agencies, um, you know, at in the sponsor end, you know, you, you want to have women in the room making important decisions. And, and being, you know, being there and weighing in and, and making sure that all perspectives are being shared here. And so that's where, and globally, we're nowhere close. I spent eight years as the U.S. representative on the International Basketball Federation Board, FIBA. And I mean, I, to this day, I'm still, I'm still like wounded <laughs> from, 
how far FIBA has to go in terms of, you know, not being patriarchal, but really embracing women in basketball at the leader levels. And so the answer to your question is we've come a long way, you know, in all four areas, but is there work to be done in all four areas? Yes, there is. But I, I think with the kind of women we now have in the business, I think pretty much anything is possible. Val, you kind of touched on that, just the representation of women. And, and Abby and I have discussed that too. When we walk into a room and we're, we're covering a game, it's it's usually just us two when we go in. But now how are you seeing, we still have steps to go, but when you look at how that situation is for each of you, do you think about that when you're walking into a room and maybe you're the only female? Does that even cross your mind or do you feel that maybe – I don't want to say an added responsibility, but knowing that you have a seat at the table and, and wanting to make an impact that way. Well, I'll just start because I know Jen and, and Ashley have their stories here. Uh, I'm used to being the only woman in the room. That was my that, that was my experience at the NBA. I mean, there were no women that I could look up to. My bosses, fortunately, David Stern, Russ Granick, Rick Welts, others, they, I don't know, took a shine and got me on boards and in rooms. And, you know, so that was good. Um, I think I might've been one of the first women working in basketball on the men's side. I was in the NBA legal department. I was working on salary cap matters. You know, every trade in the NBA has to be approved by the league office. So there I was like running trade calls, like, ah, you know, very stressful. Um, and dealing with, you know, the NBA GMs on day-to-day -day matters. And so I'm just, I, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of used to it. I still see some of that in college sports. I mean, I'll just share a note. I mean, we've got 11, 11 schools in the Big East now. We have um, eight male women's basketball coaches in the Big East. Now, I have nothing but great things to say about each and every one of them, including Coach Oriema. But I'm just saying, you know, that's if, if sort of the number of women coaching um, is an indicator of progress of sorts, we, we still have, you know, we still have a ways to go there. Um, but, and that's going to take men and women alike. You know, we call it allyship. When men and women alike are joining forces to make sure women are elevated and stay up there. So, um, you know, we all have our stories, I'm sure. But again, uh, you know, I'm going to take the glass half full <laughs> perspective on this and say that it's better than it was. And I think it's going to keep getting better all the time. Ashley, for you, was that part of one of your goals or is that a driving force in the role that you're in now to kind of be able to aspire to those leadership roles. You and um, Allison Feaster has really carved out a role for herself in the Celtics front office and, and is blazing a trail in that way. But is that somewhere that you would like to see yourself in, and where women can kind of make inroads when it comes to leadership in the NBA? Absolutely. You know, I think it starts, you know, it just, it just takes one person really to really start that ball action and the ball moving for people to understand that you have, you know, some of the greatest basketball minds have come from the WNBA, you know, and, and they're associated with that league. And, you know, oftentimes to touch on the question that you asked previously, like not only am I oftentimes the only female in the room, but I'm also the oftentimes the only like black person in the room as well. So it's, um, you know, so those are things that you'd like to see more of because representation matters on all levels you know if you're able to see someone who who looks like you who come from a similar background as you and you're able to reach out and say hey i was able to do this as well these are the steps that i took it may not be the steps that 
you know, that you would t- likely take, but I'm here to help and guide you along the way and answer questions and, and help you as much as I possibly can. Then you'll start to see, you know, women at the top, you know, start pulling other people up, you know, and, and the, the thing is that oftentimes like we're very qualified. So it's not, it's not like you're getting someone who can't or is incapable of doing the job, but we're very qualified to do it. We just got to learn a little bit. Maybe it's just the matter of shifting from the women's game to the men's game, but they're very comparable. You know, a lot of the things are a lot the same. And so it's, it's just a, a, a little shift learning the players really, but everyone's going to have a learning curve or whatever new job you take. And, you know, we're very capable and, and I suggest because perspective matters as well, you know, so when you add, you know, more women to in leadership positions, you're going to have change in the culture, change in the environment. And oftentimes it's for the better. We'll be right back after a quick timeout. Today's episode is presented by the Boston Celtics credit card powered by Cardless. You'll be eligible to earn a special sign-up bonus when you apply and are approved at cardless.com slash Celtics. Then redeem your points for cash back, game tickets, merch, and much more. Card issued by First Electronic Bank, member FDIC. Offers subject to credit approval. Visit cardless.com forward slash Celtics for more information. That's cardless.com forward slash Celtics. Jen, you mentioned something in your introduction about having to kind of decide if you wanted to have a family as well. And I think that that is a very, it's a, it is a big decision for any woman who uh, has a career and has spent her entire life building towards that. And then I think that is something that no one ever tells you when you're growing up is that as a woman, you have this finite window of when you can do those things. And um, if you blink, it's over. And, And there are a lot of hard decisions that you have to make at a time when your career could just be starting to blossom. And for you as a professional athlete, but also someone who works with young women on a regular basis, how do you kind of direct those conversations and and how did you make the decisions that you did in your life? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And, you know, for me, I've been really fortunate in my career to have a lot of uh, women to look up to. You know, when I was hired at the University of Hartford, um, it was by Pat Miser. And she was the first, um, she was the women's basketball coach at Penn State that got, gave out the very first basketball scholarship. So she was like, you know, grew up as a coach in the Title IX era. She was a part of the, you know, explosion of our sport. Um, she was also a mom, you know. And so when I took the job there, the first, you know, my first hurdle was, hey, do you mind if I continue my career? Because I still want to play but I love coaching. Can we work something out? And she immediately figured it, helped me figure it out. Um, and then it was, I was ready to have a family and can I make this work? You know, as somebody who's obsessed with their job and here all the time. And, um, and so not only was I able to hire my husband on my staff, which made it a true family affair, but my kids grew up at the University of Hartford's arena. I mean, they were on the floor for our practices and they were, uh, you know, with my parents watching every game and, you know, they saw our, our NCAA tournament, you know, they came to our NCAA tournament matches and, you know, they traveled with us all around the world, you know, to because they were part of this basketball family. Um, so I, I look back and I, I, I don't think I ever knew at the time how lucky I was to work for someone who 
allowed me to be a woman, to be a wife, to be a mom, and to be a young coach that had no idea what she was doing and grow up as a, as a, as a leader of a sports team. And so that was part of the reason I stayed there for 17 years. People always ask me, why did you stay in Hartford for so long? I said, you don't really know how, how good I had it, you know? Um, so, you know, it, when I look at my journey, you know, when I left the America East, we also had a female commissioner and Amy Huckthausen. So I was really fortunate to be Im impacted and um, influenced by her leadership at the league level. You know, in the A-10, we have a female commissioner. So I've definitely had some, you know, pretty good opportunity to, uh, to be able to, through my experiences, be influenced by, you know, some great women in the sport of basketball and out. And so now I take a lot of responsibility um, to be a role model for, for girls who come up behind me. I wanted to always show my players that you could have it all, that you could do it all, that you could make your job your family, and that you could you could have kids, you could still have the work-life balance and be successful. That was important to me. And I wanna continue to do that. And Ashley brought up something really important a few moments ago about you know representation in the room. And now that I'm a leader who has to hire a staff, I need to have different opinions around me. I need to have diversity and all sorts of diversity and much diversity of opinion and experience and age and race because I work in this wonderful game of women's basketball where those opinions matter and they're only gonna make me better at my job if I'm surrounded by people who can challenge me to think a different way. Um, and so it's, it's part of my job now to make sure that my players see representation of themselves and our staff that I'm promoting opportunity for women in my office place to be future leaders of our sport. Uh, and that I lead in a way, you know, with, with, you know, integrity and with compassion um, and with a level of accountability to, to this league that um, we're going to, we're going to hold ourselves to a high standard and we're going to do things the right way. And we're going to, we're going to show the world what we're capable of. All of you are looked at as, as, just such strong leaders and role models. And I know there are a lot of challenges sometimes when women are first starting out in sports and just trying to break those barriers and get in. And there are days where you come home and you're maybe just feeling a little bit depleted at times. For each of you, if there's been a moment where that has happened, what advice do you give to someone? Or maybe what do you say to yourself to just get through that time and, and that challenge that young women can take and other women can take to just continue forward on those days? My quick one would be just sort of um, know yourself. You know, we all have limits. I mean, um, some days you're super and other days you're not very super. So um, no one can make that judgment on when you need to sort of take the breather uh, for you, you know, and I, you know, I, I know my, myself, I've been victim sometimes of pushing really hard and staying up late and doing road trip after road trip and sort of all the things you feel like you have to do for the job. I think sometimes you don't have to do all that, but you do anyway because we all set high standards for ourselves. Um, and we think others have high expectations of us that we want to meet. So uh, I think knowing when to sort of like let the foot off the gas, and that's personal to everybody, when to take, you know, a meal break, when to get some exercise, um, is important for, for women um, at all levels. And then the other one is just sort of asking for help. I mean, sometimes you just can't do it alone. And my, my darkest days on the job, I've tried to seek out help from colleagues. I still do, you know, um, you know, just to say, hey, how, how would you handle this situation? Or am I crazy to think that X? No, no, you're, you know, you're not crazy to, and oh, phew, good, because I thought I was crazy <laughs> to think X. 
So having um, your kitchen cabinet, you know, I think Jen said it well when she talked about the quality of people you surround yourself with. They're not only offering you perspectives that maybe you didn't think about, but in their way, they're offer, also offering you support so that if you have a hard decision to make or you have to come back from a setback, it's not quite as hard as if you're doing it by yourself. I mean, I think Val really summed it up really well and really great because um, I do those same things. I have mentors that I look to for advice. Um, my family, they're always very supportive. But I think what's most important is that they're very honest with me and they're not, you know, sugarcoating just to make me feel good. They're honest when I need a, a kick in the butt. They give me the kick in the butt. When I need a hug, they give me a hug. And and you're going to have those days. Um, everyone has them, you know, but I try – and, I, and I've learned this through basketball and through sports is just I try not to get too high with the highs and too low with the lows. And I kind of try to stay in this like even space with my emotions because, it, you know, sometimes if you get too low, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to come out of that. And and sometimes when you're like really excited and really high, you know, your your heart gets broken. And so I try to just stay like in this place where I'm focused. You know, I know that I need to get better every day, especially in this job, because I'm like relative, I'm really fresh and wet behind the ears. And so, and I, and I'm not afraid, Val mentioned something that was just so important. I'm not afraid to ask for help. And I think it's a, I humble myself and I try to figure it out initially, but I humble myself. And if I can't do it, it's okay. You know, I'm I'm okay to learn from people who've been in the business for 20 plus years and they, they know more than I do. And, and the only thing that I could do is just listen and learn and then put my own spin on it. And I think, you know, that is one of the things that is, and I think people respect you more if they're just like, oh, you're not, you know, maybe I've had like this preconceived notion of how. I thought like athletes are are when they leave sports and now I'm like oh you're not like that at all like I you want to learn you want to grow and you want to be molded by good people um and so and that's how I was as a player and that's how I'm going to be you know moving forward as well how it's always been is just really wanted to learn and grow and get better how much have you relied on Allison Feaster during this time too and using her as a mentor oh I mean Allison Allison and I go back like a long time um, and she's been you know just great throughout this entire process um, and when, when I came on board um, well she recluse herself from the interviewing process um, so we didn't even we didn't talk the entire time you know she was just like how'd it go and I was like oh, I think it went well and that, that would be it you know so there was just like <laughs> no yeah. <laughs> but, but like but there's just no conflict of interest like it wasn't like one of these things where it's like all right well you you got this job because of Allison no i got this job because i'm qualified and i can do the i could do the work and other and i interviewed with Brad and Austin you know i didn't interview with Austin or with Allison because people would definitely think you got this job because you know, Allison's there and they know that she and I have been friends for, for a long time. So long that I used to babysit her daughter <laughs> and now her daughter is getting recruited, you yeah. know, by major universities. <laughs> um, so just won the state I mean, championship, right? Just won a state championship. She's only a sophomore and I hope she goes to UConn. I'm putting <laughs> a shameless plug out there because I want her to go to UConn because she's really good. 
Um, but I mean, but she's just interest, Ashley. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> can, I, can I just say that I feel really old right now because I remember when Allison came into the WNBA, we were so happy to have a Harvard player yes. coming yeah. into the league. I think she ended up in Charlotte. You know, God yeah. bless yeah. RIP, the Charlotte Sting. Yeah. So to hear that she's now got a kid <laughs> who's going on to college. Yeah, she's a sophomore in high school. I was five when I took the WNBA job, just so everybody knows. <laughs> I don't want to date myself. Great story. Great story, Ashley. We knew, we knew then she was destined for great things. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. She's a hard nose, you know, does the work, wants results. And she's always been like that, even as a player, you know, and she's going to fight you tooth and nail, you know, to succeed. And, and being in, I think that's what's great about athletes in general because oftentimes, like a lot of us have that grit and that grind and that mentality. And and you see a lot of different organizations and, and businesses want to hire athletes because we just grind it out and we want to succeed and we want to win. We want to do well, even if we fail, we're just like, OK, well, how do we how do we make it better? And let's go. And so I think you'll see in other businesses as well where a lot of athletes would be uh, incorporated in. For me, though, hearing both of you who have achieved so much, um, it's really reassuring to hear that you do ask for help and that you are not afraid to admit that there is something that maybe you don't know or that you can't handle. Because I feel like as a woman, oftentimes in any business, even, even just being a mom, you know, sometimes it feels like you need to do all of this. You need to be this person who you think everyone is expecting and and that's those just are unrealistic expectations that you are holding yourself to no one else is doing that kind of thing um so i really appreciate you sharing that and and helping me to see that jennifer for you what is your kind of piece of advice and and something that you share with people to persevere through yeah. challenges well i you know as 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 val and ashley were talking i was thinking a little bit about how you know so many people in in sports and and maybe just in general think that there's a double standard for men and women and so we've always had to somewhat think about overcoming um Absolutely. you know this this stand this double standard so you know and, and how you you know speak to your administrators when you're a coach you know it's like if you say something a certain way you're emotional or you're erratic and and then you hear a men's, you know, coach of a sport speak a certain way and it's totally okay. Or, you know, you, you, I've, I've heard men's coaches like screaming at their players through the, you know, the wall of locker rooms in ways that I would never talk to my women. And yet there's always conversations to women's coaches about, you know, how are you speaking to officials and how are you speaking to your players and how are you speaking to administrators? And so, you think like you, you always are like thinking you, you have to be better. And so it can be a challenge, right? Or, or you can look at it as a way like, well, here's an opportunity for me to just be smarter than everybody else, right? And, and sometimes that's how, unfortunately you said it, we have to just be better. Um, and that can be hard and that can be a burden. And I think that's why we're willing to ask for help, right? I think that's why we need people around us that will make us stronger is because sometimes we feel like we have to do double the work or be doubly, you know, behaved well in order to live up to the same standard as a man in our business. Um, but I also see women not advocating for themselves, and so that's what I—that's I, what I want to see more of. I want to see more confidence in 
you know, young women saying, I can do this job. <laughs> it doesn't matter that it's the NBA, it's basketball. Like I know, you know, I can, I can do this job equally equal to a man. Um, I, I deserve this salary. You know, when, when you are in the process of hiring people, it's amazing how a man will come in and tell you what they think you're, they're worth versus a woman. So how do we get more women to be confident in you know, their skill set and the fact that their, their, their skills from basketball or any sport that they do translate into the business world so well. And so if I can help in that way now as somebody who has transitioned from their playing and coaching career into the front office, it's that we can do these jobs because we had to be great teammates and we had to be leaders and we had to put in the extra hours and we had to be smarter than everybody else. And so it translates, it translates, all those leadership skills translates into the front office. So have confidence that you can do these jobs, you know, ask people to pay you what you're worth, because I think we need more women to really have that level of confidence. And as Ashley said, we need to continue to pick each other up. Um, we need to pull people with us. We need to pave the way just like Val and, and, and people like her have paved the way for Ashley and I, we need to now turn around and make sure we're paving the way for the next generation to come. And to me, a huge part of that is communication and what makes conversations like this so important. And just for women to be able to share amongst each other and to then also lift each other up. And so I just want to thank you all for taking the time and also for being the trailblazers that you are. And like you all said, uplifting, bringing all of us with you. We can't thank you enough. Thank you for listening to View from the Raptors, behind the scenes with the Boston Celtics, presented by Cardless. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.